warm, happy, mannerly hello to you all and welcome to You Love to See It, the podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host, Danielle Riendo, and I am joined by an incredible presence. Presence. You, yes, a, a ghostly queer presence that haunts. <laughs> <laughs> a, a wonderful presence uh, and a voice that we all love to hear. Uh, Natalie Flores, our featured contributor here at Fanbyte. Natalie, how are you today? Um, I'm great because we're going to talk about the haunting of Bly Manor. And we've been excited about this for a hot minute. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. I'm going to read the sort of description. And it's just a Wikipedia description. It's nothing too exciting. I'll read that. And then we're going to jump right in. And we are going to spoil the shit out of it. So if you haven't already seen it, you probably should. should. Uh, (laughs) I think you should. I think you should see it. We think you should. This is an endorsement, and we're not sponsored by Netflix or Queer Ghosts or anything. Or Mike Flanagan. (laughs) (laughs) None of these things have sponsored us. We just really enjoyed this. So Wikipedia tells us that The Haunting of Bly Manor is an American gothic romance drama streaming television series. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, created by Mike Flanagan for Netflix. Loosely, bla- uh, excuse me, loosely based on Henry James' work. It's the follow-up to, uh, to The Haunting of Hill House, the second entry in the Haunting Anthology series. The creative team and much of the cast of Hill House returned for Bly Manor, but the two series narratives are not connected. Haunting of Bly Manor premiered on Netflix on October 9th of this year. Uh, Victoria Pendretti, Oliver uh, Jackson Cohen, Henry Thomas, Kate Siegel, Carla uh, Gugino, and, or Gugino, rather, if it is an Italian name, and Catherine Parker return as part of the cast for the second series, portraying different characters. So, oh, and uh, Jordan, by the way, also said uh, that he is indeed sponsored by Queer Ghosts, uh, just for full disclosure. We always got to get our disclosure notices in. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, as like a framing question, I want to ask you, how you first came to it uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, what you felt after you watched it the first time. Because I think you've seen it twice at this point. I have seen it twice. Incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first time that I watched it, um, I I had heard it was good. I saw the equal amount of chatter as I did for the first one. Mm-hmm. But the first one didn't really interest me as much as this one because people kept posting pictures of the really gorgeous women in this one sure it's sure. a totally heterosexual thing to say of course but <laughs> oh I yes kept, on our podcast yeah. always. <laughs> I kept seeing that and I was like wait hold up who are these women and I, I recognized uh Victoria Pedretti because I love her in you season two also on mm. Netflix okay um, yeah she is fantastic she is one of the best like you know, actors that are getting really well-known right now, I think. she Her range is incredible. And so I was like, okay, I didn't know she was in this one. Um, And I didn't see the fact that she was in the previous one either. But yeah, I was surprised. And so I saw... All the gorgeous women, especially <laughs> especially yeah. Re- the actress that plays Rebecca. I saw her and my friends were like, Yo, she's your type. And I was like, shit, you're right. And but they're also like <laughs> <laughs> they're also like, okay, but Jamie is so gonna be your type. And I was like, who's Jamie? And I was like, okay, whatever. So I think I was bored one night. It, it was one of those rare nights, <laughs> Friday nights, where I have 
nothing to immediately do. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to prepare every news piece since I do the weekends over at the wonderful right. fa- website that is fanbite.com, <laughs> if y'all have heard of it. Yes. Um, so I, I, I prepare my news in advance a lot of the time, but I try to leave room for anything that comes up during the weekend. So I was like, okay, I, I don't really have anything to do right now. So let me just like go watch an episode of Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, I think I started maybe like at 8, and then I stopped at 3 a.m. because I had to get up to write. And then <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> this is so irresponsible, but this is transparency, right? I was yeah. like, I need to get the itch to finish this out of the way before I write my news. So I got up earlier to watch it and finish it like before, oh like so that by the time that I finished the last episode, I had stopped like around episode six and there's nine episodes, I believe. Yeah, nine yes. episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, okay, so like if I get up like at this time, then I can still, you know, watch it and then I'll start news by the time I usually start it, which is like after 1 p.m. because that's when I wake up these days (laughs) under quarantine. And so, yeah, and I was just, I was a disaster. I was like, how am I supposed to go on with the rest of my life? So then I decided (laughs) not to. And I told my mom that very same day, I was like, oh my God, mommy, I just watched The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. And I was like, you have to watch it. She likes scary stuff. We we really oh, good, bond good. over horror stuff and scary movies. Like when I was little, that's all that I wanted to watch. So we really like, she really likes watching terrible horror movies mm-hmm. and I judge her mm-hmm. for it. Um, so it's like, <laughs> this one is actually, this is actually going to be good. It's going to be a horror thing that you're going to watch and it's actually going to be good for once. And she's like, okay, I'll check it out. And so, yeah, she saw the first episode. I let her watch it on her own to see if she would be interested in it without me sort of pressuring her because uh, we've tried to watch like The Witcher for example and she hated it because she sure. says like everyone looks dirty and she doesn't like that she likes like pretty dresses <laughs> and, <all that. laughs> and I was That's like okay, okay don't say that about Yennefer but alright um, and so uh, yeah so she watched the first episode she really liked it and so I was like okay let me watch like the rest of it with you and so she liked it so much that she watched like two episodes without me like oh. on the second day that she started and I was like why did you do that? She was like, well, you already watched it. And I was like, yeah. And what about it? Like, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah. so we watched it. I watched it like right after. I Basically, like right after I rewatched it. And I watched it with her. Cried more on the second time. It was even Aww. more magical on the second time. I think things hit me harder on the second time. Because I, I know sort of like the the outline of what's going to happen and I can focus more on the emotions and the significances of certain scenes. And this, as we're going to go on to talk about, this is such an emotional show. And um, like, I, I adored it even more the second time around. So yeah, I still haven't watched the first one, but she has, she liked it so much that she went to watch the first one. And I think she likes it even more, but oh wow, um, we both love this one too. So yeah. So, you came a little later into it, right? I like, I saw you started. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny because I think it was actually Halloween night. And I had been meaning to watch this. I loved the first series. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Theo. Theo in the first series is a queer woman who can, like, feel other people's emotions if she touches them. Um, Very and can, like, things. and can, like, you know, intuit things. Like, she has basically The Shining, honestly. <laughs> like, that's kind, of what, that's kind of what it is. And she is a child psychologist and, like, helps kids and is also just, like, 
unbelievably hot and it's actually the same actress who plays lady oh my god what is her name in the she's uh, the focus of yes exactly she's sort yes. of the focus of the i think the eighth episode or is yes it the, the eighth episode? episode all okay. black and white oh, we're gonna yes 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 episode, the incredible yeah. uh eighth episode she is that uh like you know queen ass i mean i know whatever she's a lady but she is a queen and yeah she's a, she's a bad bitch like. uh she sure is um yeah. so like that's who plays theo in the first uh series and i just theo kind of got me through any parts of the first series that i didn't love i also really loved actually uh, interestingly enough nell and luke in the first series who are also main characters in this series i loved their storylines in the first mm-hmm. one as well so kind of everybody whose story i really loved and cared about is in this show, <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of cool. Obviously, very radically different characters. Um, Danny, uh, you know, Victoria Pedretti, uh, who plays Danny here, played Nell in the first one, and mm-hmm. Olivier, uh, Oliver, Oliver, why am I saying Olivier? I don't think he's a <laughs> French gentleman. Uh, Jackson Cohen plays Peter Quint here, but he plays Luke, who is a recovering uh, addict, actually, in the first mm. series and had, like, a really interesting storyline with his twin sister, Nell. I think the first show is much scarier. I don't want to like compare and contrast or anything. Uh, I think it's actually like a lot scarier in the moment, whereas Bly Manor is much more genuinely kind of haunting and yeah. creepy. And there's a lot of dread and there's like texture to it everywhere. And it's less immediately scary and much more of, I think, a successful kind of melodrama, kind of family yeah. drama that has, like, really strong trappings as opposed to the first one, which is kind of almost half and half. Uh, yeah. And I don't think the first series ends on the best note, but I did really enjoy it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Watching this, I've seen more criticism for this series, and I don't really understand it because I genuinely thought this was, like, they got it absolutely right. Where, where they may mm-hmm. have kind of made some missteps possibly towards the end of the last series. I think this one like nails it and nails the landing and and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the way I first encountered it was like a little bit funny to me because it was Halloween night. So, you know, whatever, two weeks ago. And I had been meaning to watch it. I loved the first series. I heard Garth Marenghi was in this and that excited <laughs> me. And not Garth himself, you know, the actor who plays Garth Marenghi yeah. uh, was in it. And in like a pretty cool role. It's Matthew Holness. It's not actually Garth Marenghi. That would be wild if actual (laughs) Garth Marenghi like did a, you know, fourth wall breaking thing. But uh, it was Halloween night and I saw a fucking like Instagram post that was somebody's TikTok that was just making fun of the way Danny walks in like every scene of this thing. I'm sure you know it, but like she just has the most like uptight, like terrified anxiety walk and just like stomps through the world with like an anxiety walk and I was like well I now need to see this even more and put it on and of course my partner and I fell in love with it watched four episodes the first night like on Halloween which felt appropriate you know we made popcorn and we watched the show and just enjoyed so much of the again the texture the atmosphere the performances and then I think we finished it within a day or two as well and just just Loved it. It is a love story. Maybe that's where we should start is that is with the the sort of ending, uh, the ending line of like, mm-hmm. oh, you mischaracterized it as a ghost story. It's a love story. And yeah. it is it on two is. different sort of axes. So I guess just to set up the general, we, we absolutely don't need to go through the whole plot of the thing. But what generally happens is that Danny, Danielle Clayton, is a a young woman who is like a really caring, really kind. She's a teacher. She cares very much about children. She 
encounters trauma and leaves the United States and goes to London and looks for a job as an au pair. She takes this job uh, to be, you know, the au pair to two adorable but somewhat disturbed children who yeah. have just lost their parents and their first au pair. Uh, and she kind of comes into this house and becomes really, frankly, like chosen family with these kids and the other folks who live, uh, well, not all of them live at the house, but who work at the house. There is Jamie. Which the is a very hot woman named Jamie. Yeah. Hot, <laughs> hot, like unbelievably. She, like she is <sighs> really, she is Natalie Bate. Okay, oh. like she, like I was telling my mom, I was like, mommy, this is like my type of woman. Like I was like, yeah. like the soft butch, like really pretty face, but like really tomboyish attitude and body language. I was like, yeah. mommy, like if I walk through that door with a woman like that one day, don't oh. be surprised. And she was like, okay, I got it. Because <laughs> Jamie is so Natalie Bay. This this show in general, I think, is really Danielle and Natalie Bay. A hundred percent. I mean, okay, just wanted to say that about Jamie. Jamie's great. Uh, but also there's Hannah Gross, who's like... Uh, maybe my favorite character, actually. Me too. Although I love, I love Danny and Jamie so much, but Hannah, Gr- Hannah Gross is just like... Mine are Jamie and Hannah, for sure. <sighs> Yes. yes. The women in the show are incredible. There's also Owen, yes. who is like the wonderful, sexy, hot brown man that I deserve, who is a chef and has like the worst dad puns, but they're oh also so God. cute and he's he's so great. And yeah, he's like so uh, sweet. Like he he so is like so hot and such an unassuming. Both he and Jamie. Honestly, hot in like very unassuming ways. Wait, they don't know how yeah. hot they are. They and have that's just no so unreal. That's the most unrealistic thing about all this. <laughs> like, true. I can believe the ghosts, but not that these people don't know that they're hot. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, how the fuck does Owen get up every day and he's not like, damn, I'm a sexy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he's damn. just such a like sweet dad type who is so hot and <sighs> cooks for everybody and like, he cooks. Is I would so have to cook patient. a moment in my life. I know. I know. Oh, <sighs> Honestly. Anyways, back to the plot. Oh right, the <laughs> plot. Right, of the course. Plot. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the these are the people who live in the house, right? And they all have trauma in their own ways. They've all sort of overcome like really difficult things in their life. Owen is actually currently dealing with a lot. He has a very ill mother. Yeah, she has uh, dementia. Yeah, and and so that is like part of it that everybody here has a lot of trauma. Everybody here is dealing with a lot of trauma. And there is a lot of backstory. So, of course, we, as we go through the series, we learn about the previous au pair and we learn about the jerk asshole who's also hot, but he's a jerk asshole, <sighs> Peter Quint, who also was very much involved with her. And he gets his hooks into her a little bit in ways that are just the worst. And you can kind of see it coming. And it's very much a melodrama. Um, but it is also I very much... I hate that he's hot. Like, I it's know... It's upsetting. I, I would be Rebecca. Like, that is the type of man yeah. that I would fall yeah. for. And then, like, I wake up, like, dead in a lake or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We can't he's blame really Rebecca. Like, he's one he's of my a little friends, snake. <laughs> yeah, like, one of my friends was watching it, and they were live-tweeting it, and they're like, damn, like, you honestly can't fault Rebecca for, like, ending up dead over this dude. Like, he's it's hot. True. And I was like, yeah, like, I would also end up it's in a... And he does the cable-knit sweater, just like Chris Evans in Knives <sighs> Out. Like, in half of the scenes in this. So, yeah, um, like... 
Nobody this can show really is be blamed. Full of hot people and ghosts. <laughs> yeah, this is and a lot of the hot show. people are ghosts, as we find out as yes. we watch uh, the series. Who's alive and who isn't is sort of a big plot point for multiple people here, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. And also, I guess it's also worth mentioning uh, that there has also been a uh, another major character, although a little bit less interesting perhaps than some of the other characters, uh, is the drama that went on with the parents. Uh, the mother of the mm-hmm. children uh, was cheating on the uh, children's father. This is jumping be. ahead. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like set up all the no, major players. Good. Yeah, it uh, is what the plot is. She was um, she was cheating with uh, Chuck Snow's, um her husband's brother. Yes. Um, and that's not the only like version of that that we get of like people sleeping with their significant other's sibling. Because yeah. uh, we also have Viola and whatever the fuck his name was. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That romance with her sister. and That's that she, right. So, That's right. So, In the mm-hmm. 1700s. 1600s, actually? I guess 1600s. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, because basically the, the backstory of this is that essentially there is this lady in the lake um, that walks around the mansion and kills anyone that walks in her path, that she finds in her path. And this is how numerous people like Peter die and whatnot. Um, But basically she, she commits this same path and she has for hundreds of years from the lake to a specific bedroom in, I believe, the West Wing. Um, I where, think it is the West yeah. Wing, yep. Yeah, yeah. where um, I think that, is it the room that she that she was sick in or it was the bedroom of where, like, the father and her daughter would sleep? Because at, at the heart of this, this is a love story, but it's also a lot about motherhood. Um, very much because, so. Yeah. yeah, very much so, and we'll get into that later on. But, yeah, that's essentially what what happens and so it's sort of unraveling the mystery of this manor and its inhabitants and the fact that Viola was the original lady of the manor but um because of trauma and like time and the way that it erodes everything um she is just now this lady that comes up from the lake with her face absolutely deformed as she walks this path um to the West Wing bedroom uh, where she hopes to find her daughter, Isabel, um, who is obviously not there. She's long dead. Um, And so she takes everyone in her path and the kids are aware of her. The kids have the shining or whatever you want to call it in this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some people can sort of sense things uh, and it's a little bit unclear whether or not ghosts can sort of like appear, the, the sort of ghost rules are a little unclear. They're a little flimsy. It's basically they <laughs> they appear when they will it strongly enough. Like at one point, Peter tells Rebecca, "Like I've I've been trying to appear in front of you for some time now, but like I, I just was able to make this shit work right now." Yeah. Um. So it's it, it's a little a little flimsy and a little it works when it's convenient for the plot. Yeah, very much Uh, so. But basically, like, after, like, episode five is when we really get into who's alive and who isn't. Um, We get into the concept of being tucked away in memories. So each of these characters has either a traumatic moment that they keep going back to or a moment where they felt the most emotions. For Hannah, it was when she met Owen and fell in love with him. For Peter, it was when his mom came back from what is implied to be an asylum um, and 
talks about going back to uh, her husband um, and that causes a lot of trauma for him. For Rebecca, it's this specific night um, where she was like getting romantic with um, Peter and they took this photo that is prevalent since the beginning of this. It's a lot and I, I don't think it nails being a, like totally comprehensible on the first time that you watch yeah. this. <laughs> like for me, it was really confusing. Like from episode five to episode seven, I was just super confused. I was like, okay, I'm going to roll with this. Um, and I think my mom was pretty much the same. And I had to sort of explain it after. And when I watched it, I had to go research everything because it wasn't that clear. And the second time yeah. around, it's definitely... Like, I was like, oh, it, it seems to explain everything pretty well. Like, I get it now. But that first time around, it's really crucial to understand what's going on. And I think it it runs the risk of losing you for those middle few episodes where it gets really um, just yeah. – it dives deep into the whole talking away thing without really explaining it outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. I think – uh, for my my read on it is that this show is asking you kind of a lot during yeah. that middle kind of section. Yeah. I personally enjoyed it because I found the editing really like so good, almost hallucinatory. <laughs> you know, so like I was actually good. really transfixed by. Okay, we're going from scene to scene. We're cutting from here to here to here. And as you know, whatever a film person, I always enjoy kind of weird editing as long as it's done well and not just yeah. you know willy nilly. Yeah. But also. I do think, I would argue that we care so much about these characters at that point that the show is okay in asking you to come along for a ride. Yes. Um, it probably does lose some folks. And, like, I also respect that. And, like, you know, if you um, don't enjoy being a little confused and you're not, like, the kind of person who would kind of nitpick, you know, the ghost roles and things like that, mm -hmm. I, I had no problem, kind of, with it. But I yeah. do also respect that, you know, structurally speaking, it is very kind of deliberately messy in this yes. section uh, as it as it kind of goes through uh, who's alive, who's dead, who's actually a ghost, who's appearing to who, who's yeah. possessing who, because that's another huge part. Ghosts possess the children often. And that's a lot of what's kind of going on with the kids and why people are like, oh my God, the kids are just acting weird because they've had so much death. And it's like, no, they're actually being possessed by a bunch of ghosts in succession, basically. Which I'm is just kind of like, like every lot. single person in the show just excused all the weird shit those kids did with, they've just gone through trauma. And I was like, bitch, this is really fucking weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? like I understand Timmy here. That's not his name. But I understand he went through a lot, but like, come on now. I know. Um, and I know. So, but the payoff is really, really good. And I, yeah. the second time around, just watching everything, having the knowledge that, you know, you get by the end of the show because everything wraps up pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, I, it was so rewarding for me. There were small moments, small comments. Um, like, for example, uh, I think, uh, the what's the, dude the, the little kid's name he's not a dude the little kid's name little the boy. dude <laughs> <laughs> the boy Sorry. i know it's flora is it henry no, I think I think Henry's the father. Oh my god, no, Henry, yeah, like, Henry's the <laughs> uncle. I'm sorry. The uncle, yeah. <laughs> um wait, it's Flora and Yeah, who 
Is it with a C? Why is this so hard? Miles, like, Miles. Right, Miles, miles. of course. We miles. love this show, by the way. Um, we really do. The we, kids we are really just the do. least interesting part of it. They really are. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, when Miles is uh, at boarding school and the pastor is talking in the lesson about like possession, I believe, oh, yeah. and goes, yes. I was like, oh, like that. And he basically explains how possession is done later on in the show and i missed that completely the first time around because i was just like oh, okay it's like bible study like go miles go <laughs> um and so i missed that and i was like oh shit like shit oh that's so cool and there's it's, just so many good. small things that are so masterfully crafted the cinematography like you said is yeah. incredible the editing is wonderful um but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's the characters and it's their stories and their trauma. Um, we can go into each one individually, but by then I was already sold on each one. I mean, episode five is it starts right after that night at the bonfire and oh, the bonfire. When, and when Owen did that speech about yeah. his mom, like I was just waterworks, like I was nonstop crying, and yeah. it, it's just like it is so beautifully written. So much of this is so poetic and beautifully written um by then it was it was so easy to love these characters so it was like yeah i'm I'm confused but i i am invested in this episode five in particular focuses a lot on hannah and hannah is my favorite along with jamie like we've said she's such a fantastic character and she's really essential to whether the show works for you i think i think so too so that episode is where it starts to get confusing but it's dominated by hannah and so i think that that allowed it to work for me and so i just stuck through it and the payoff was incredible by the end it's just it's a really touching story that i honestly haven't gotten over Um, i know i I, one of the things that for me like touching on this that really makes it work is that all these sort of disparate threads maybe a little bit less with the uncle but pretty much everybody who's actually at the house or haunting (laughs) the house Mm -hmm. really they weave together really really nicely it does not feel like a collection of good scenes as much as it actually genuinely does feel like threads that do honestly coexist together comment on another on one another and work really well as a complete story and like you're saying i did i did want to touch on the sort of moments at boarding school i went to catholic school you know Oof. forever until i i hit college actually and there was actually something really that kind of hit home in those scenes like as much as i complain about catholic school and i hated it and it was not good for me there yeah, is I'm in the, the sort person. of priest character there is a warmth there that yeah. I, I do like to believe that a lot of people who are teachers, whether they are secular or religious, genuinely cares for this kid and mm. sees how he's asking about things like possession, sees how he's asking these very, very in-depth questions about this sort of thing, which both brought me to like hereditary, <laughs> watching <laughs> that pretty recently again as well, and seeing like a school scene and a real kind of interest in possession and things going on, but just from a radically different angle, from a much softer kind of angle, frankly, and kind of seeing how a young mind grapples with this kind of horror and this kind of idea Mm -hmm. and this kind of idea of like needing permission to be possessed and needing it. mm -hmm. And that's a huge part of the show of like 
the line that needs to be said for someone to become possessed. And he's tricked into it. He's tricked into saying the line because he's, uh, you know, believes that's the best thing that he can possibly do to help everybody. So there's a lot of who is manipulating whom and who is possessing mm-hmm. whom and who is trying to do things for like, quote unquote, good reasons uh, yeah. all throughout the show that really did work for me as a thematic element. Yeah, like for a show about so much about ghosts, it's really focused on the lives of the people it portrays and the humanity behind them because like even Viola who is like like if you had to pick a main villain I guess it would be like (laughs) Viola or Peter um but they're both very humanized Viola's pain and her trauma as a mother who got sick and had to watch as she was isolated from her family and the rage that she felt were being killed by her sister and feeling abandoned by her husband and her daughter. Like all of that is so humanized and these characters are so multifaceted. Like Jamie, you know, we have Jamie who is someone that, um, she doesn't really like people. That's why she's a gardener, right? Like she, <laughs> yeah. that part where she talks about how at least with plants, if you put in the work, you know that you're going to get the benefit, like, deserving of that work. But you don't, yeah. you never know that with people um, because people are people. They're different and they're, you know, full of contradictions and unexpected things. And you can't really expect a person to give you sort of what you feel you deserve, whatever that is, or how much work you put into that relationship. Sometimes things just fizzle out or people just, like people are complicated and so for her plants are are very easy to understand and yeah. much more more rewarding um danny is a very caring person and she i really i particularly really like how she is shown to be so capable of teaching the children and getting them in line, especially Miles when he acts out. But she's also a ball of anxiety. Like, it's not just the walking, but it's like, like my mom would ask me, like, why does she look like, like she's scared all the time? And I'm like, mommy, that's anxiety. Like, do you not see me walking around our house, like our apartment? Like, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) You're just too used to seeing me. But that's like, she has so much anxiety in her, but that also doesn't take away from her capabilities. The same with Rebecca. She is such a smart, brilliant woman who had so much ahead of her. But she, something happened to her that happens to a lot of us, which is that she fell in love with the wrong person, or at least maybe not the wrong person, but someone who was damaged in all the ways that were easy for him to feel like he could take advantage of her. Um, Because a a theme in this is the confusion of love and possession. Um, And love is inherently selfish. So it's it's not like it... I feel like it it tackles it in a very nuanced way. Um, Like, I can understand why Peter did what he did, even though he was, like, fucking awful for it. But, like, so often it is human nature to to confuse love for possession because we want to hold on to the people that we love. And we want to hold on to them and, you know, just have them around and be with them, Um, especially when we have little else. Um, And I just think it's all very so humanizing and beautiful and poetic and all those like really nice things like yeah yeah it's it's very very relatable even even at the height of the melodrama and the height of the horror elements it's all so very 
relatable, frankly. Yeah. Like these characters are well drawn. They are mostly lovable people, or at the very least, understandable people. And mm-hmm. we care about them. And I think the show does a great job making you care about them, like making the case for these people, frankly, kind of throughout the entire series. And that's why I was uh, totally fine to kind of muddle through the more confusing elements. Cause I'm like, I just need to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to know. I need to know. I need to know what happens to them. And Danny, especially, um, for me, seems to be, she's mostly haunted by guilt for the first few episodes. Yeah. And she's also haunted by, I think, internalized homophobia, too. Yeah. So her kind of backstory, to go through super quickly, is that she was engaged to be married to, like, a childhood friend, a man. And she really did love him, just not in a romantic way. And mm-hmm. they're, ab- they're about to go through with the wedding, and his family is wonderful to her. She's had a really hard family life. And, you know, she really feels like part of the family but she just can't do it. And they have a fight and she's going to break it off and he dies immediately out. He just, he literally like steps right into traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right it's, as they're it's, breaking up. Yeah. It's rough. It's really rough. And it's through true. no fault of her own, which is one of those things about tragic ghost stories where nobody did anything bad here. Like she did nothing wrong. She just asserted that, no, it's, it's. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not, you know, she doesn't say it, but like mm-hmm. it, she's queer (laughs) like she's not she doesn't like men like it's not his problem he didn't do anything wrong and she sees him everywhere uh she sees his face with this reflecting uh sort of you know headlights as he's about to be killed uh and she's traumatized and that's why she leaves america that's why she goes to the uk it's why she does everything that she does she is a kind and caring person who has been really hurt and, and I think hurt by heteronormativity as well yeah. as, like, this horrific trauma. But she's also, one thing I appreciate in terms of the queer love story here is that it never has to be, okay, so this, uh, maybe I should have said this at the top, but this happens in the 80s. Like, the main part of the story, there's a frame story that happens in 2007, and the main part of the story happens in 1987, 20 years prior. Now, it wasn't awesome to be gay in the 80s uh, by any means, but it wasn't the 50s either. Um, But without going into like very, very, we've seen it a thousand times kind of coming out story territory, we have two women who fall in love with each other in a really wonderful, natural way. And they're both kind of caring of each other's baggage Mm -hmm. in a way that's lovely. And there isn't a scene. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Natalie. Especially Jamie. I just wanted to insert that. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh Like, so, so loving and giving. And, like, it doesn't happen overnight. They have this wonderful moment right after the bonfire. They go off together. They've been drinking a little bit, but they're not, like, drunk. And they have just, like, a hot moment where they're making out. And Jamie's just like, oh, are you sure? And Danny is just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, she sees uh, the ex. Well, not even ex. Like, it's almost, like, hard to say. Like, her, who is the fiancé, I guess. Yeah. Uh, her deceased, you know, no longer, you know, among us fiancé. Uh, and it makes her stop. And they have a moment of, like, oh, my God, okay, we have to stop. But instead of it being, like, a horrific, dramatic moment in a lesser movie or TV series, Jamie's just more like, all right, it's okay. Well, you know, there's kind of a we'll try again later moment about it which it's sad and it's like you're a little sad about it but it's not a fuck you get away from me kind of moment it's a it doesn't like we're working on it it doesn't linger (laughs) on that either because the next episode in the midst of all the like 
the very next episode is when you start to get into like the whole tucking away thing and yeah. the real plot of the story. But <laughs> right. even even then, like it takes time during that episode to be like, hey, here's them like making up and like communicating about it like adults, yes. which is really refreshing. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you. <laughs> Yeah, and really so cute. cute. Sorry, that scene is, so is actually adorable. Danny it's, brings her coffee yeah. at 6 a.m. And it's like, all right. <laughs> and she imitates yeah. Jamie's accent. Oh, and, she does. Oh, That's so cute. They are just so cute. I'm oh, like, I love them so much. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm curious as to what. So one of the common criticisms that I think misguidedly aimed towards this, but I understand because this is a concern with this kind of story always. Yeah. The bury your gaze trope. Of course. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk about that because I want to unpack that because I feel like it's a criticism aimed automatically at any queer story that involves one person or both of them dying, which is super right. understandable given the history of that trope. Um, for those that might not know, the Brea Gaze trope is a trope in which uh, two queer people, usually queer women from what I've seen, um, one person is sort of sacrificed and killed for the pain of the other. And so it's like, yeah, they don't really get to be together in the end, like quote unquote straight couples do. Um, and so that is something that has happened a lot in um, media portraying queer people. Yeah. Um, and so it, it happens and not, I wouldn't say the trope happens here, but what does happen is that, someone dies by the end. Um, Danny yeah. dies by the end because she, um, oh, at the very end, okay, so the summarizing this, this is going to be. <laughs> I know, there's so much, but yeah. yeah go ahead. <laughs> so at the end, basically, uh, Danny dies because she gives herself up to be the, the new lady of the lake. Um, so basically what happens is that in the last episode, um, the lady of the lake comes and she tries to take Flora with her because she mistakes Flora for her daughter. And so uh, Danny comes to save her and she says the sort of incantation that is required for possession, which is you, me, us, or yeah. something like that. Is it's that exactly? you, it's me, it's us. It's exactly. you, it's me, it's yeah. us. Um, and so when she does that, she um, inhabits the spirit of the lady of the lake, who is Viola, um, and she is able to save Flora. Um, and so basically she gets some years with Jamie. They both make it out of the manor and they, you know, go on a road trip. They live their lives for a few years. But eventually um, Danny knows that the Lady of the Lake is like a, she's like a spirit in, in the jungle that is waiting to come out. Um, yeah. And so eventually she... Um, it gets to the point where she sees her in the reflections of like the water or in mirrors. That's like a common thing, like reflections in this. Um, that's a motif. Yeah. And so she, um, it gets to the point where one night she, um, she's about to sort of choke Jamie in her sleep or like she has, she's grasping her throat and she realizes in that moment that, when they talked about it in the beginning, they had a conversation about the difference between love and possession. And yeah. so Danny is able to break the cycle of the manor and its inhabitants um, because she decides to prioritize love and separate it from possession. She knows that she would rather stay with Jamie, but 
because of what's happening with her and the fact that Viola will come out eventually, um, she decides to just um, leave Jamie in the middle of the night. She goes to the manor. She drowns herself in the lake so that no one else is ever possessed again. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a really short, like, spark notes version of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was I was wondering how you feel about it because I, I've seen some people say like oh this is like bury your gays like they like they don't end up together and I I I can't really see it that way because I don't see media that involves uh people dying like queer people straight people anyone like I don't think like I understand why but I don't see it as inherently bury your gays I don't think the the show did this um, and the story did this in order to um, create sensationalism or yeah. like play around with uh, these two queer women who fall in love and then, oh, let's take it away from the other queer women. And, oh, that's a really touching story. Like this was all really expertly crafted and yeah. it served a purpose. And it's not because they're both two queer women. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what you think about yeah. the, the criticism about Bray Your Gaze for this. So I, I respect and appreciate, um, you know, criticism around tropes for sure. Yeah. But for me, that didn't come up at all because, no. like you said, it's crafted expertly. There's a lot of care put into it. It's not sensationalized and it's not just, well, you know, she died, so now she's sad. Like, that's not it yeah. at all. And if that's what you get from something like this, then I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for the person who only kind of gets that out of it because they also, and not that you can put a time limit on it, but they did have something like 12 or 13 very happy years together. There was a real relationship mm-hmm. there. There was a real love there and trust and respect. And Jamie, at every turn, a lot of these scenes definitely read to me like, a person who is helping out a partner who struggles with mental illness or struggles with something and it's not codependency and it's not unhealthy and it's not toxic. It's just a genuine love for another person where they will help the other person. And I think that, you know, basically, um, basically Jamie is able to do the caretaking because she is fully cognizant of it. They know that this is going to happen one day. There's no surprise here. It sucks and it's sad and it's like and it's like a death, you know, later in life or or like a person mm-hmm. struggling with some form of illness where you absolutely know a very sad thing is going to happen, but that doesn't keep you from loving completely. And they have a whole life together. They they open a flower shop in Vermont. They're there for 1999 when civil unions became legal in Vermont, which is the first state in America where you could actually have a legal uh, relationship as a yeah. queer person, which yeah. like for me, I almost started sobbing at that because I was like a teenager at the time and was yeah. just like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like me, <laughs> me being, you know, the mid thirties gay over here just being like, oh, it's like almost dying over it. I did it, not know that. That's yeah. Such a great, oh god. So it's like I'm, a really I'm nice a baby moment. queer. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Like honestly, you know, this is just like one of those touchstones, you know, kind of things. Yeah. Um, that felt very respectful to me. That like, oh, these these folks aren't just doing bullshit. They're this is a sad thing, but they're going to contend with it. They're going to show these two people in love and respecting one another. The other thing that could have been, it could have 
looked like a dive into codependency, right? Of yeah. like one person's very, very sick and the other person's dealing with it and they're very unhappy. But no, this this looks like it's really very loving. something that yeah. Jamie does happily because she loves her. And personally for me, that is very hard to grapple with, I think. Sure, I sure. think I'm still like as you frame it right now, I'm like, yeah, of course that's the case. But as someone who really struggles with the feeling of burdening other people, especially sure. because of my mental illnesses yeah. and someone who has like sort of like, like I can develop like a codependent nature or I feel like sure. a person who can, like I know that I'm Danny. And so like watching the show, I'm like, like, can I really have that someday? Like someone like Jamie? Cause like after we finished Aww. watching, I told my mom, like, like I was like, I was sobbing. Cause Aww. like those final scenes where we learned that it's it's Jamie who is at the party and she's um, and we'll get into that later because I don't think it's like it's listed in one of our negatives, um, sort of the framing yeah. of the wedding that this is framed around. But um, we learn eventually that uh, the woman telling the story, the narrator, is actually Jamie and she yeah. goes back to her apartment at the end. And the final scenes are basically her, you know, uh, taking off her earrings, like taking off her clothes and getting ready for bed. And she um, she fills the tub with water because she's waiting for her lady in the lake, Danny, yeah. and she fills the sink with water and she looks in the mirror because she's hoping that she will see Danny's reflection and she decides to also open um, the door from the living room in the apartment and that goes into her bedroom and she she sleeps in a chair waiting for the chance that Danny will come through that door um, and the final shot that we get is Danny's hand on her shoulder because she is always with her um, yeah. and I think it is so touching and and going back to the burger gaze thing um I really like that they go out of their way to touch on how at the end of the day, that's kind of all we have, right? Like one day at a time, like that's all that we really have as a guarantee. And like the narrator, like she says, like she's telling the story when Danny um, starts seeing Viola again, like that's all that we really get. And that's more than some of us get. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just a human story. Like, I don't really see it as, like, a bury your gaze thing. Like, like, I just see it as this beautiful love story between two women. And, you know, like, this tragedy had to happen. And, you know, all these all these things. But I don't think, I don't see it as, like, a, a tropey thing. Uh, but going yeah. back to, like, Jamie and Danny, like, I remember when I finished, like, I was, like, sobbing. And my mom <laughs> hugged me as I was, like, oh. sobbing. Because I was trying not to make it, like, obvious. But then I started oh. just, like, sobbing full on. And yeah. so, um, and I told my mom, like, oh, like, like that's such a beautiful love story. And I, I hope I, like, I want that someday. And my mom was just, like, the first thing that she said was, you will. Like, you will have your Jamie oh. someday. And I was, oh my like, like I, I like kept crying because she's because she's like, yeah, one day you're going to have your Jamie. You're going to have someone who loves you like that and who sees your your traumas and your mental illnesses and who doesn't see you less for it. Someone who will be patient yes. with you in that way. And I think we all deserve that. And yes. it's just such a beautiful story about love and patience and how we are ultimately selfish beings as humans. But there's so much room for selflessness when it comes to the people that we love. Like we are capable of doing so many selfless things when it comes to the people that we treasure and that we develop those bonds with. Um, Absolutely. And doing it out of yeah. true love and not just 
you know, other reasons and not just pressure. Like there are moments of people doing selfless things here out of pressure. Like there are a few of those moments here. But I think ultimately it very much is about making sacrifices out of true, genuine love and waiting for people and having patience with people out of true, genuine love and not a toxic dynamic, which is always something I'm worried about in movies and TV. <laughs> like, that's something I'm always worried to see yeah. in and romances, the, yeah. you know? The, I think the show does really well of, like, a really great job at portraying that through Peter and Rebecca because I don't think you can really doubt that they loved each other yeah. as disturbing as... Peter's nature was and the way that he handled the way that he loved Rebecca. Um, But that doesn't mean that it wasn't unhealthy either. It's not like love alone is the important thing and that you can sort of do everything for love and that everything is okay as long as you do it in the name of love. Because, I mean, possessing these children, because their goal is to possess (laughs) these children, inhabit their bodies so that they could be together forever and continue on living through time and space and whatnot. Like, that is... Yeah, it's in the name of love, but Rebecca... But it's fucked up! It's really fucked up! (laughs) And Rebecca has the, the heart and the selflessness to recognize that and to pretend that she possessed Flora by the end, but she didn't. And that's really what is able... That's the first step in breaking the cycle, ultimately. Um, But yeah, this is just... It's it's a really powerful narrative on trauma, on the cycles of trauma and tragedy, on love, on possession and selflessness, um, and also on motherhood, which do you want to talk about Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, you go first because I've been talking like right now. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, we have several mother figures here, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are really, really troubled figures. Viola is probably the most uh, complicated because we get a real sense of her life. And again, this is an an episode that uh, doesn't touch too, too much on the sort of the story in the 80s. Obviously, it influences it greatly because you find out um, that she is the lady in the lake. But at the beginning of this, we have this like gorgeous, gorgeous black and white episode that talks about Bly Manor and the people who lived in it in the like late 1600s, which of course is uh, Viola and her sister uh, and eventually uh, her husband and her child. And hers is a really sad tale and a really tragic tale and a tale that I think everybody can kind of, you know, even if you don't become a horrifying ghoul who kills people by accident, <laughs> you can all like kind Who's of relate. Among us doesn't yeah, who, become who, you a know, like ghoul. let's be real. Who, who among <laughs> us? <laughs> um, as we had talked about, like she becomes very ill and has to be quarantined from her child, and that creates a really, you know, sort of horrifying thing for her to deal with. And she is kind of an asshole too. Like, it's, she's make a- no mistake. She's an asshole, she but is she is an, an understandable one, I guess, maybe? Because oh. Yeah, because it goes out <laughs> of its way to establish the fact that, like, once their father died, uh, Viola and Patra, these two sisters who became the ladies of Bly Manor, mostly Viola because she was the oldest, they had to do everything within their power to retain 
um, yeah. control of the manor and control and power and women is such a prevalent theme in this show. Yeah. Um, and so in order to do that, they had to seek, Viola had to, either Viola or Patra had to marry someone in the family. So they chose a distant cousin. Um, and so... And a guy it, who was going to yeah. kind of listen to Viola. <laughs> like yeah. a guy who was going to be okay being her, yeah, like, you know, being, being all right with her, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right with her being the head bitch in charge. And yeah, exactly. I, I adore Viola because I I love complicated women like that in my yes. stories. Um, I think, like, her story is such a tragic one. Um, like, I, I just love... So there's this scene where... So what happens with Viola is that she gets ill with tuberculosis. Yeah. And so she is projected to have a few months at most. And by the time that that time for her comes, there's like a priest or something who who comes in and he um, he recites this verse in the Bible Oh, the last rites. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that her soul can transcend peacefully and, you know, once she decides to let go and she's straight up like, I'm not fucking doing that. She's like, fuck you, dude. She's like, she legitimately <laughs> is like, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. And what's really sad is that, you know, her sister encourages her because these sisters have gone through so much together and they are it's it's like a package deal with them right like you get the sense that these two sisters are very dependent on each other and will always be there for each other but what happens is that like as viola gets sicker and she holds on through sheer will alone (laughs) yeah (laughs) this bitch holds on through just like her spite and i want to be that kind of bitch like just holding on out of spite for years she holds on for five years out of spite um which is amazing (laughs) not even just one year she's like i'm gonna make this five years and it's just gonna be like (laughs) like you see her deteriorated but she like the way that they communicate it just through the acting like the fact that it's just like on her own will because she's just so reluctant and doesn't want to leave and she's not going to give up her manner um and ultimately she really doesn't because at the end uh, what happens is that she's killed by her sister um and she was absolutely unassuming of that fact like i bet yeah. if it was up to her she would have stayed for like another five more just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like she's my- just a skeleton like in gorgeous robes just being like fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, uh, I, I've depleted like 50% of my spite, but I still got another five years in me. Um, <laughs> and her tale's just so, it's so tragic. It's um, it's a really human one. It's, uh, it's one about a, a woman who, you know, was not like the best kind of person, but she, at the end of the day, she loved her daughter. That yeah. was the main thing with her. And the main thing that really broke her heart while being sick was that she had to spend it away from her daughter. And she she was there for her daughter growing up a little bit, but not really because she had to be isolated in this room and she had to be kept away from her daughter or else she would like possibly infect her with the sickness. Right. Um, so, and at the end of the day, that's like... That's why she's making that walk almost every single night for the last hundreds of years, right? Because she is making that walk to hopefully see her daughter again. And anyone that she finds on that path is killed by her. But that is her goal, to be reunited with her daughter once more. Um, And there's, you know, there's that motherhood story, like a legitimate, like, mother and her daughter. But there's also, like... Now, there's Danny, who takes, like, this adopted mother role for the kids. There's Hannah, who... And she sacrificed... You know, she does sacrifice everything for for Flora's safety, you know? 
it's ultimately she knows she's giving her soul. She knows she's going to be living on borrowed time for however many years until, you know, the inevitable kind of happens there. But she is the selfless mother. She is the, you know, she's also the one who is both like very funny and has a great sense of humor and really loves these kids and also is like, doesn't take shit from them either. Yeah, like she's she probably doesn't. like the healthiest mother figure, you know, uh, yeah. in in the whole thing. Like this is like the healthiest mother relationship basically that anybody yeah. has here. And there's Hannah who is sort of like the matriarch of the entire manor because she, yeah. she runs the manor um, when the... Uh, Clayton, no, not the Claytons. The, what were their fucking names? Willoughby? The is Willoughby? it Willoughby? Wingrave. Sorry, Wingraves, Wingraves. Yes, the Wingraves. Willoughby, Willoughby is the 1600s family. The Wingraves <laughs> are the 80s family. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, the, the Wingraves, this is basically their summer home. It's not like it's the manor where they live each and every day. And so, in the time between then and even when they're still there, like, Hannah... She is the one who takes care of the manor. She is sort of like the housemistress. And she, yeah. she, there is a sense of motherly love between her and almost everyone else aside from Owen because that's more of a romantic love. But she, yeah. she is a guardian of everyone under that house. Like she holds herself responsible and she, you know, she goes to that, um, that church room and she lights up the candles yeah. for the people who are dead, which I thought was that part where, um, that very first shot where you see that she lights up four candles and yeah. it's only until later that you realize that it's the fourth one is for her because she yeah. has been dead since the beginning, like right before everything started with Danny. Like the um, minute Danny shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of motherhood in here, and I I'm a sucker for motherhood romance. Like I said, this this show is Natalie Bate, um, oh, so like yeah. just the discussions about motherhood and all these figures who are both biological mothers and not. Um, I just I really loved that. Like it's not it's not the kind of story you really get so much, um, or that you get like in the horror genre without it being. A, sensationalized um yeah yeah i just i really loved that um i i love the fact that we have sort of like romance like it's a love story and it incorporates different romances but they're the types of romances that we don't really see often like we have mm -hmm. a love story between two queer women and they are two queer white women yes but like it's still like a big deal and like the other two romances that are that play a major role, which is Hannah and Owen and Rebecca and Peter. Both of those are interracial romances. I found that like like people might think it's like a really simple thing, but at least for someone like me who is queer and a person of color, like that yeah. diversity and inclusion and representation does make a difference for me. Like there's a reason why I was interested in watching this, but I still haven't watched the first one. Sure, um, sure. Which I'm sure it has like some inclusion in there, but like it's not like at the forefront like I saw with this. Like when I saw like the different types of women that we see in the show, I was like, oh shit, like, that's my shit. And so I went to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, like it's just, it's a story that tackles so many things through, I think, um, like so many normal things in our lives. And it, it puts people that are usually not seen at the forefront at the forefront of such a human tale. And it humanizes them yeah. so deeply. Um, and yeah, I just <laughs> really love it. 
It's it's really good. Do you want to talk a little bit about the sort of romance between Hannah and Owen? Because I think it's an, another like really just absolutely yeah, beautiful thing that so, kind of happens here, even though it's not necessarily oh, whatever happy story you know ends in perfection or anything like that. Right. But like the other romances, I think it's kind of beautiful and and mm-hmm. really like really, really sweet. Yeah, because it's yeah. like so we have like three main romances, right? And we. Each one says something about love. Like, Rebecca and Peter, you can't deny that they were in love with each other, but it's also a lesson about the selfishness that we can, yeah. um, we can like, extend to the people that we most love. Um, Danny and Jamie are about that's love but selfless. Um, you have this, like, queer romance, and it's, like, it's a, a pretty big deal. And and then you have Hannah and Owen in which, like, you can't doubt that they loved each other, but they never yeah. realized that. These yeah. romances all end in very different ways. Um, but you can't deny that each one was filled with love, even if it didn't go in the direction that one would have ideally wanted. Um, and so Hannah and Owen are particularly tragic for me because they... They knew they loved each other. Those two knew yeah. it, but they weren't able to vocalize it. And I feel most bad for Owen by the end of the show yeah. because, like, he loses his mom in the middle of it. And then he loses Hannah right after. Or, like, he realizes he lost her right after. And it's, like, my poor sexy brown man who oh. cooks, like, and who is muscular and who has glasses and who is just a total hunk. Like, you don't... You don't have to go through this. Let me just wipe your tears through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't deserve I know. it. And so yeah, just it's it is such a all of these romances have something different to say and something different to show about love. And they're all love stories for sure, but that doesn't take away from like the problematicness of like Peter doing what he did to Rebecca or like, yeah. you know, like it's just ah, like all these are different love stories and they're so touching and I think I do think Hannah and Owens um I I I connected most with Danny and Jamie because like Mm -hmm. queer lady and that was like really exciting to me and like every single scene made me just sort of like ah like scream it back but Hannah and Owen and the way that she that's the moment that she keeps going back to right that moment when she met him and she just instantly fell in love with him. And yet she kept it all to herself, like just barely, but they kept it to themselves. And I think that is, that's so tragic and speaks to the importance of telling the people that you love, that you love them. And like, you know, just being honest and being vulnerable because those two are pretty vulnerable with each other. Um, I think they found a lot of comfort in each other and we should do that more openly because at the end of the day, one day is all that we've got. Like exactly. one extra day. As Jamie says. Yeah, Jamie one day says. at a time. That's all that we, that's all the guarantee that we have. Like we don't even have tomorrow guaranteed. And so, yeah. Yeah. There are How things about, about oh yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say there are things about their performances together. Uh, Owen, Owen and. So much Anna. inside. It's really, really, really well directed and acted. Yeah. Like the way, the way in which he just nails these horrific puns just nails <laughs> and she is like doing the performative oh god yeah. you know the way 
they have like almost like such a comfortable, easy chemistry with one another yeah. as if they're an old married. They're not, but as if they were an old married couple where he's he just makes the just most dog shit jokes and she just <laughs> is secretly so delighted she, by them. But can't she is so it. infatuated with him that she is just <laughs> she is determined to not let him have it. <laughs> it's so cute. And the it's way they so are very parent parental towards the children together. Yeah. You know, the way Owen is so sweet and so kind and lets the children sort of help him cook all yeah. the time. And like, oh, do we need more strawberry or more lemon? Or, you know, just the yeah. cute little ways that he is so sweet to the children and Hannah is so sweet to the children. And like that they have this sort of, you know, found family together, this sort of chosen family together is really lovely in a way like it's not i think it is absolutely like a romantic love that they just never spoke but it's also a really like companionate and sweet and family kind of love too between them that they that they could have this family together that they could have this and that they love love having this exactly like it's it's said at the beginning it's a love story and that is why i was really attracted to this in comparison uh, like I'm sure the first haunting is good and I I might watch it but for me it was that that emphasis on love and the way that it really goes into depth of what constitutes love like you can't say Viola didn't love her daughter so much to the point that she is like haunting that mansion <laughs> centuries <laughs> right? later to see her daughter again. Yeah. And yet that is also a complicated version of love, one that has led to many deaths and many traumas in this one specific place. And I just, I, I love the show so much. I can't get it out of my head. Um, I... Yeah. I thought the pacing was perfect. I like Same. my only real negative criticism would be like again the episodes five to seven were confusing, but also sure. they're not really negative criticisms because the payoff is just so good that I'm like, oh, I'm I'm glad I went through that confusion because now it's so rewarding. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, exactly. I just I I think it's such a beautiful story. It's so beautifully shot, beautifully written, um, so human and so so poetic and touching and I, I yeah I was so excited to talk about this today because I, I can't get it out of my head and I I wanted to talk about it with someone and I, I did get to do that with my mom but like in in the detail <laughs> like this um, yeah because I didn't want to do it like on Twitter because it wouldn't even capture the magnitude of my feelings for this show anyway like not even this podcast can but it's definitely <laughs> one of the the more uh, like I don't know if I would say important like I think the mo- one of the most affecting shows for me personally as yeah. like a queer brown woman like at least yeah. for me and someone who like I said this is Natalie Bate like Jamie <laughs> Owen like the mix of like the horror and the romance and the mystery and the plot twists that's yeah. all my shit and the motherhood like I just, I I really adored this show so much. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was stunningly well done. And yeah, it, it, the ending for it really cinched it for me. Whereas again, like Haunting of Hill House, I I really loved that show. I thought it did some really cool things, but the ending just kind of happened a little bit in that show. Like that, Mm -hmm. the last episode of that show, I won't spoil anything at at all. It's just that it just kind of goes some weird places and it's just kind of like, what, wait, what now? 
(laughs) And this felt like a slow boil. Oh, good slow boil. And a lot of people have criticized the pace and I don't understand that. I'm like, well, this is a melodrama ghost story. Like this is not going to be action every five seconds. And I don't think it should be, frankly. I think this is It's a melodrama. It's a romance drama. It's it's a romance melodrama. (laughs) We're going to linger on a lot of stuff here. So like, if you're not down for that, I understand. But like, don't don't say it's like shitty and boring because like all right if you don't like this that's fine but you know yeah like that's a different show well that you, you you need to go into things knowing what to expect yeah. like I didn't go into this expecting like action and guns and all that stuff <laughs> like for that I'll, I'll watch a specific <laughs> movie that I know is going to be that and then yeah. critique it like based yeah. on how it fulfills and meets the demands that I wanted but like yeah this is this is not that show. This is a show about what it means to be human as much as it talks about death and the afterlife and how we handle grief. It is about life and the people yeah. who are living in it. This this is a show about feeling some fucking feelings. Is what yeah. it is. Like honestly, and it's about gay. About that. About yeah. gay and gay. about feeling feelings and about relationships and what makes them work and it's it's a lot of stuff. Like, it's a lot of, like, frankly, pretty heavy stuff. And I think really a slower stuff. pace is good for that. And I don't mind, personally, the sort of confusion because it, it does serve a greater purpose. Yeah, it does. I'm honestly kind of surprised they accomplished that in nine episodes. On like, it, yeah, it's a big, like, big if story. anything, <laughs> if anything, I have the opposite problem. I'm like, how did you nail the pacing that in nine episodes, this entire story full of all these layers was both introduced and satisfyingly like wrapped up for me. Cause I I loved the ending. It's so tragic. It's so sad. And I, I want them to be happy together, but also it, it was so beautiful. It was so moving. I don't know if I would rather it any other way. Um, It's very grounded. It's very grounded. You know, (sighs) Oh, yeah. That, my only criticism at all, really, is just that even knowing who the people are at the wedding, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, right. the frame story just didn't do anything for me. But it is such a small part of this that it did not bother me that much. And I know, you know, you're supposed to have those good feelings. Like, once you know who everybody is, it's like, oh, okay. But I was just kind of like, mm, oh, just, just Yeah, I can't back. pinpoint Can we just go why? back to Danny? I don't really care about this. <laughs> yeah, I can't pinpoint why, but I... It didn't work 100% for me either. And I have seen people describe it as like a goofy reveal. So I... It's just there's no work behind it. Whereas there's work behind everything else. Right, 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 right. I do really love though, um, like that first episode. It's one of the first things Jamie says where she says that love is like... What what does she say exactly? Something along the lines of love is when you are prepared to like endure the pain of losing someone. Mm, yes, and yes, yes. You love yeah. them anyway, and I just thought that was really so beautiful. And the way that everything is wrapped up at the end is so yeah. lovely. And ah, uh, I just really I was so well excited <laughs> when I saw that you were tweeting that you were watching this because I was yeah. like, okay, so she didn't like Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm or sorry. I have the children, I'm but sorry. I still got a shot here. <laughs> I still, we still have a chance here. And then I just exactly. saw that you were in love with it, which I expected, and I was just like, yeah, just like oh, I'm yeah. so happy. And then when you were like, oh, you love to see it on Bly Manor, I was like, oh, wait, hello. 
<laughs> you're like hello hi yeah <laughs> i that that meme of like you know tom and jerry tom's just yeah. walking through the door and he's just <laughs> with his hat on and i'm just like hello hello <laughs> it's it's so well done Natalie, thank you so, so much, because this was, this was really fun to talk about I this know. with you and really get out all the feelings about the feelings. this show that's about feelings. It's about so, feeling feelings. And we have so <laughs> many feelings for, like, not I just know. because it's really good, but also as two queer women, like, this yeah. this is a show, like, capital S, this is a show yeah. for us. Um, and it was just so fun to talk about it and so rewarding because yeah. I, I really can't get it out of my head and so talking about it at length with you like I've been looking forward to this all week so oh I, me too I, <laughs> I'm so happy we got to do it and I'm me grateful to everyone who has listened to this podcast uh, this recording of you love to see it on the haunting of Bly Manor which you should watch <laughs> if you haven't already yeah even though we kind of I mean, spoiled this, it probably yeah bit. probably like watch it first <laughs> <laughs> watch it first before um this what are we one minute and 12 yeah right. one, one, one hour and 12 hour minutes 12 minutes <laughs> i can't math i'm sorry like we've established gay like yes yeah, i'm especially like for this uh show like this does not put me in a math point of view <laughs> like this doesn't make me think of math it makes me think of lots and lots of feelings yes <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again, Natalie. It's been a treat to have you here and talking about this incredible show. And I'm so glad we got to do it this week. I'll just read our our sort of usual outro, uh, which, of course, uh, thanks everyone for being here. And, you know, we hope that you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Mm -hmm. Please do, if you have a moment, uh, rate and review our podcast or tell a friend or tell a, you know, uh, you know, a, a ghost. A ghostly apparition. <laughs> a ghostly a, apparition. A dead lover. A lady in the lake. Um, tell all the ladies in the lakes. And you know, hopefully I think not like a this. sibling that decides to sleep with your significant other. And like yeah, because there's a lot of those in the show. Like, that was a, that was a little weird. A <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, Sorry, <laughs> really, it was really fucking weird that Peter and Rebecca wanted to inhabit the children. Cause it's just, it's just weird. Yeah, that like, was a weird one. They're like you related, know? so like, what are you? And also, they're very young, so like, what are you going to accomplish for Wait, the next? Like, you're just gonna hang out, yeah, for like play ten cards? years, like, yeah, just, just play cards at boarding school. Like, Wait, like what? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> weird aside. We, weird. we have established that Peter was fucking weird. Peter Peter had some issues. Peter had some issues. <laughs> the only good uh, man in the show was Owen. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. I guess Garth Marenghi was okay. He, he just didn't really do that much. He got mad about mm. cheating, which is, I get it. I get yeah, it. He was mad. Yeah. He was upset. He was upset. Yeah. He has our right to be, yeah. Yeah, no he had a right to be reaction. upset. They, I don't think they were Polly. I really don't. I think they but were. He monogamous. also wasn't um, standout. <laughs> he wasn't like Owen, who was hunky and yeah. could cook and had glasses and was mm-hmm. muscular and super touching and soft. Such a sweet, kind, hot man. Shoutouts to Owen. <laughs> like honestly, okay. Last thing I he's one of the few people that make it out of this alive. But shoutouts to Owen. And also, like. Does okay. Like to be honest, like he opens a restaurant that's a pun. Like <sighs> the he, batter place. He is the batter place. <laughs> and he has a picture of Hannah on the wall. He really does. 
So, like, I'm not saying everything was perfect for him, but he does live his dream, at least. So we can we can be happy, at least, for Owen on that. And I hope that, you know, he does find love, always remembers and cherishes Hannah and finds love in another way, and that, like, he has a full life. You know, that's what I hope for. I think um, we've tried to Owen. end this podcast, like, two or three times. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. Like, just, like, hold up one more thing. Oh, God. It's like, I'm so sorry. Wait, Owen. <laughs> but but yeah, sorry. That's how much we love this show. So everybody, thank you again so much. You can listen to all of our shows on fanbite.com slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on TikTok at Fanbyte. We're back on Instagram at Fanbyte. And of course, on fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our very good streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Thank I you heard so, a new so much. console generation started <gasps> this week, so there will uh, yeah. be some streams. Just just a rumor that I heard, though. That's right. There's new boxes out. Yeah. There, are, there are these, like, boxes. We also put up a story today about how to keep your cat from, like, destroying your new console, yes, which is very Which cute. is very important. My cat is very yeah. determined to destroy everything that I own. They like so. warm things. They, yeah, things make noise, you know. Um, thank you so much to Jordan Mallory for producing our show uh, and, and fact checking and just being a great producer. Thank you so he much. He told Jordan. us Miles' name when we forgot. That's right. It. I Shout know. Out. I Shout really appreciate that. We appreciate you. I didn't say it at the time because I was too busy being like, oh fuck, I forgot Miles' name. But yeah. <laughs> thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Natalie, where can people find you online? You can find me at Hardy Misia. That's heart I-M-E-C-I-A on Twitter. Amazing. And if anybody wanted to follow me, you could on Twitter at Danielle R-I. Thank you again to Natalie and Jordan and Thank to all you, of you out there. And everyone, you love to see it. Bye. Bye.